0: Hey guys, welcome to the Let's Get To It podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Hamilton, and I'm so glad you're here. We are going to talk to people from all different walks of life about faith, family, and friendship. All right, let's get to it. Hey guys, I am so excited about today's guest. Janelle Raritan is the author of Stronger Every Day, Nine Tools for an Emotionally Healthy You. Janelle is a board-certified life coach, adjunct professor and an award-winning author who loves nothing more than helping family systems become emotionally healthy, happy, and whole. In her private practice, she specializes in trauma-informed, attachment-based, and faith-infused modalities. Today, Janelle and I talk about two incredible insights from her book. First, Shifting from Shame to Grace. I will tell you this was a huge spiritual aha moment for me, and I hope it resonates with you as well. Second, Janelle and I are going to talk about emotional triggers and how they can work for us and not against us. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. All right, let's get to it. I want to welcome my guest, Janelle Reardon, to the Let's Get To It podcast today. Janelle, thank you so much for being here.
1: Oh, you are so welcome. It is an honor. It's an honor to be here with you, Kelly.
0: I am excited. I'm excited. Now I know you're in Virginia. What is life like in Virginia right now?
1: Well, it's about 39 degrees, but no snow in my in my neck of the woods. We're on the coast. I live near Virginia Beach.
0: Nice.
1: So just lots of rain. But today was bright and sunny and 39. Yesterday it was 66. Typical That's, Virginia. Typical Virginia.
0: That is Virginia. fantastic. <laughs> I would take the sixty-six today for yes. sure. Yes. Oh for yes. Sure. Well, good. Congratulations on your recent book.
1: Thank you so much. It's I wonderful. I really appreciate the the celebration. Yes, yeah. it's quite a feat to it is to to get that down on paper and and give it out to the world. Absolutely. So
0: thank you. Absolutely. And I know it's a little different
1: um, launching a book during a pandemic. Um, yes. It's my third book and completely and totally different with truly not being able to travel or be as free to travel, I should say. Um, so limited to Zooms and Skypes and FaceTimes and yeah. all the things. In some ways, it's, it's not a bad thing.
0: Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about the book.
1: Stronger Every Day, Nine Tools for an Emotionally Healthy You. The book is written for anyone and everyone who wants to be emotionally whole and free. Mm. And so I wrote it with many faces in mind, but honestly, anyone who really just wants to become a better person, a better human Mm. and experience life from wholeness and freedom.
0: I love the freedom part. Cause it's yeah. not just being whole, it's living in the wholeness that I that's really, a great that, challenge.
1: Yeah. Yes. For yes. me, that was the greater challenge. So that's why I was very compelled to sit down and do this work, do the deep work of this book. Because after I worked through it myself in my own life, I was like, well, what do I do now? I don't really know how to be happy. Like, happy right. Happy is hard. Happy
0: is hard when you're living. When you are used to living from crisis to crisis, mm-hmm. yeah. or managing other people's crisis, yes. it's different to live in a freedom of happiness and joy, and then not feel guilty about it.
1: Oh, yes. And I'm. I, I was speaking with a client yesterday, and and my clients are awesome, and they give me permission. And um, she she's so happy in her life,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but feeling so guilty for it. And, you know, all I could say was, you, you don't know what freedom is like, you don't, you've never experienced it. Mm -hmm. So why on earth would you have any indication of what that would look like or feel like? Yeah. But guess what? You're going to, because we're here and we're on this journey and we're going to get you there so you can experience true freedom and actually love it and live in it. Yes. Yeah. That's so good. It's that's mm-hmm.
0: fantastic. Um, I really think you have a, a very powerful way of integrating psychology, understanding of trauma, and spiritual formation. Um, mm. So, what
1: is your faith background? It's a bit integrated, just as well. I grew up Catholic okay. and had a very—I um, was raised in an alcoholic home. My father was an alcoholic. My mom was a very strong Catholic. And I am the baby of the family. My siblings are seven and a half and eight and a half years older than I am. So as in many ways, shape and form an only child or like the firstborn. Right. And she would take me to mass, you know, and I don't know, there was just something. Maybe it was the beautiful cadence and the peace that I felt there that I didn't feel within my own home. And so I felt very close to God as a little girl, I knew he was real, even though it was stained glass windows, And yeah. but I sensed it. I'm very empathic, very intuitive, and always have been, I suppose. And so I grew up Catholic, actually became, as we would say, uh, a Christian. I became born again. I accepted the call of Christ my senior year in college. And I write about that in Stronger Than uh, Every Day. And so then became charismatic, was involved in the charismatic movement while I went to the Catholic mass, even thought about sometimes being a nun. Okay. Yeah. I just really loved God and wanted to serve him with my whole being Mm -hmm. and uh, later became uh, a Presbyterian. So I have been experiencing the tradition of Presbyterianism, I would say from that point on from till today. Mm Mm-hmm. And just continuing
0: to feel God's presence and the Spirit of God
1: move in each of those communities. Everyone. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah. And just gathering uh, the beauty of each. Yes. You know, we're all welcome at the table. And I have learned so much from, from each faith faith walk and am where I am today because of that. And I'm yeah. grateful. I love it.
0: Well, I think you have, again, a wonderful way of integrating that faith into these other um, areas in in a really remarkable way that I I think can help um, the reader bring some deep, deep healing. Um,
1: Thank you. I pray so. I so pray
0: so. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of different rich insights in the book. I kind of want to focus on two. (laughs) <laughs> um, one is because we could talk for hours. <laughs> I <would> love that. <laughs> I book.
1: don't we'll think do an it after the show. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: tool four, you have shifting from shaming to mm-hmm. grace. Um, and I have to admit, this was a huge spiritual aha moment for me. <gasps> um, oh, mm-hmm. big. Oh, I think Tell it articulated. <laughs> I think it articulated something that has resonated in me, but I couldn't put it into words. Wow. And I feel like you reflected who God was, who God created us to be, and then our relationship with God in such a healthy way. Um, I I grew up in in a Pentecostal home. Okay, I'm still a part, uh, which I love my heritage, mm-hmm. um, but. Hearing the shame language oh. utilized in faith language yes. and comparing it to grace was just this blinders off. Oh, my goodness. Yes.
1: Oh, I'm so happy.
0: Oh, can you give us an example? Would yeah, you be so, yeah, absolutely. So I re- when I read, you included a quote from Ian Crone. Yes. It says, love is the most powerful force mm-hmm. in the universe, but it is neck and neck with shame. Shame is all about exposure, the fear of being revealed, found out, the flaws unveiled. Christianity and the grace it offers in the theology of grace can rewind the momentum of shame. It can also weaponize and turn wow. into a force for creating shame. And that was my experience. And when you... Yeah. You later um, point out, and this was was where it all kind of came together, that God has breathed His life and value into us as His creation. Mm -hmm. And you say, this truth serves as the foundation for how we live, move, and have our being. Mm -hmm. And so I think for me, integrating that, God sees us his creation as worthy of love worthy of belonging and connection and therefore bestows grace yes. to make that connection as opposed to shaming us mm-hmm. to almost push us further away so yeah. that was that was huge for me oh, huge i'm so happy that makes
1: my heart just swell oh good <laughs> cuz that is life changing yes. and life giving yes did you feel an actual like just a weight
0: I did. And you know, um, raising, I have a five-year-old and a six-year-old. Oh, boy. And I told my husband, this is what I have been wanting to instill in them. Mm-hmm. This is what, because they have worth, they have value. God yes. did create them in, in God's image. Once a boy and once a girl, I want them to know that God breathed life in you. And so again, it was just like this articulated all of it of like, oh, this is how I can teach it in such a way that grace kind of covers them yeah. instead of shame pushing them
1: away. Oh, yeah. I mean, Proverbs 31, 25 is my prophetic footing for life. Mm. And it is clothed in strength and dignity. Ooh. He or she. He or she can smile at their future. You know, when I finally when my shame weight fell off, and I read that, I read it anew in such a way that I went, oh my goodness, I'm actually clothed in his strength and in his dignity. So I I love to say that we all have value, worth, and dignity. Mm. And what was the greater epiphany for me was really going back and sitting in Genesis two, seven. Mm-hmm. When he breathed from his nostrils into us, his breath. Yeah. And there is no room in God's breath for shame. Yeah. It's not
0: there. Yeah. Yeah. It's not there. Mm, it's so good. Talk to me a little bit first, let's define shame for our listeners.
1: How are you defining shame here? Well, I'm going to stand on the shoulders of uh, Dr. Brené Brown. I I cannot find another definition that I love more. And she writes, shame, well, we know it's an emotion. Mm -hmm. So here from the get-go, everyone listening, just try, I always like in, in my practice, it's like we always are going to be holding one thing in one hand and one thing in the other. So we have shame, and we have being ashamed. Mm. So very two very different things. Yeah. Um, but we're talking about shame, and we're talking about it in the frame of uh, others putting shame on us. Yeah. At least I think that's where you're coming from. Yep. With our yep. with our words, our deeds, our looks, our prosody, our tone of voice. So she defines shame as intense an intensely painful feeling. Or experience of believing we are flawed in some way. And as a result of that feeling, we feel unworthy of love and belonging. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just sit with that for a second. An intensely painful feeling or experience. So it's a belief, right? It's deep. Mm-hmm. that we're flawed in some way and therefore we're unworthy of love and belonging so
0: mm-hmm.
1: I take that a step further and say well i'm really not worthy of being alive mm. you know i'm I'm not good I'm not good enough i'm i you know on and on with that yeah so believing that we're ultimately flawed is so dangerous to our our sense of self, our God-breathed identity, as I I call it. Yeah,
0: I think that's good. Talk to me a little bit more about that. So what's the difference in how we see ourselves when we look through the lens of grace Mm -hmm. versus the lens of shame? Mm -hmm.
1: Well, I think it's inherent in that word of feeling flawed You know, it's a belief system. So if I am looking through the lens of shame, I'm never going to be good enough. Mm -hmm. I am never going to be pretty enough, uh, skinny enough. I'm never going to be a good enough mother. I am inherently unable to be anything good. Right. And so what happens if I'm living under that shadow of shame, or I have all these shame attendants, as I talk about in the book. That are walking around me and telling me all the time that you know, who do you think you are? Mm-hmm. I mean, really, right? Really, you know, that's just—it's just, uh, just going to end up in a very um, unhealthy way. It's the way that I frame it: healthy or unhealthy. Mm-hmm. But when I look through the eyes of grace, that unmerited favor of God. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is theologically could be debated. Sure, <laughs>
0: right? sure. People have and will continue to do And so. will
1: continue. But when I think of it and I frame it in his breath, breathing into me to become a living being, I just cannot believe that he would make me bad, mm-hmm. that I am bad. You know, the other piece of Dr. Brown's teaching is shame is I am bad. Mm -hmm. Guilt is I did something bad. Yes. I am not bad.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I am a creation of the most high God. Mm -hmm. And he breathed his life into me. Mm -hmm. Oh, I can do bad things. Yeah. And I have done bad things. Yeah. But that's, completely and totally different.
0: Yeah. And I think you bring that out when you reference Romans 3:23, all yeah. have sinned. We have. And all have fallen short of God's glory. And I think, you know, you you bring that um a picture of yes, we have done those bad things and therefore in need of grace and forgiveness and reconnection with God. We are not um
1: in ourselves bad creations. That- I think we can frame that in the creation framework. Yeah. At least that's how I frame it. Yeah. yeah. Debate me, it's fine. I we can all have healthy conversations around these deep, mysterious subjects. Yes. But when he created Adam and then created Eve, they were they were his breath. Mm-hmm. And then they made a really bad choice. Mm-hmm. And that is why they then were ashamed of themselves. Yeah. Mm, I don't good. even see God shaming them. Right. They, they felt that before. They felt mm-hmm. it. It was inherent in them Yeah. that if they were disobedient, if they went against the, the good life and great things that God had given them, They made a deliberate choice and that then was awakened. Yeah. And they felt ashamed. So that's how I frame that. Yeah. And that is why we now, we had, we had, God had to send his son Mm
0: -hmm.
1: to take that for us so that we could once again experience the fullness of his grace and live with him forever in eternity. Yeah. That's beautiful. Hmm. It really is that's freeing, incredible. isn't it? It's just freeing. it
0: is it's kind of it, it gave me a moment to literally exhale yeah and feel and sit in in a beautiful picture of grace and love and mm-hmm. um yeah comfort in the in the most sacred of of ways if that makes
1: sense yeah. Oh yeah and Kelly, if I can share this isn't in the book, Mm, um, please. because the, the epiphany came post the book. <laughs> Darn it. Don't, I know, don't you wish you kind of like send oh. a post it out to everybody, but yes. wait, there's one more. There's one more. Yes. Well, it was the relationship between Peter and Jesus mm. where I saw this unfold in such a beautiful way. If you if you follow the relationship between Jesus and Peter through the the gospel. You know, at one moment, Jesus is saying, get behind me, Satan. You are impeding my ministry. You get behind me. I can't even imagine the authority that was in that Mm -hmm. because Peter was once again being impetuous, you know, and love him. And then within a breath of the scripture, we don't know how much time has really gone by. He's saying, oh, Peter. I'm going to build my church on you. And then you go further and Peter denies him and Jesus just gives him a look. And then we come back and we see Jesus fixing him a meal on the beach Mm -hmm. and asking him, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Mm -hmm. To me, I mean, that, it takes my breath away. Yeah. And it really sent me on a deep study of our human relationships and how Jesus could have really shamed Peter.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He had every opportunity to, but he it's not in him to do that. Mm-hmm. Peter, Peter was ashamed. Oh, he felt horrible after he denied his Christ. We do see that evidenced. But Jesus accepts and he holds us accountable. Mm. And to me, that is going to be for the remainder of my life, my foundation in my relationships. Yeah, It changed my marriage when my husband and I had that epiphany together, Mm. um, sitting near the ocean, having a morning devotional time. You know, it was, I accept you, but I'm going to hold you accountable. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love
0: how... Jesus revealed his true nature in pursuing connection and not shaming. Yes, it's all that's powerful. That, all that is powerful. That. I I'm gonna have to chew on that one for a while. Yeah. And you know, and I know you've said this is, you know, something that we can be can debate and whatnot, and absolutely that's the iron sharpens iron. And sometimes yes. we're gonna get some sparks, but these are important conversations that oh, wow. again yes. are trying to pursue connection with God and and really lead to the freedom of grace in him.
1: Well I mean I'm getting chills again. I can't talk about this without honestly wanting to weep. Yeah. Over the gratitude of the revelation that he is always pursuing us. Yes. And always pursuing connection. Yes, he holds us accountable. Yes, he, you know, we are his children. He's going to discipline us. But what a revelation. I I have three adult children. I have twins who are 30 and an older daughter who's 34. So I've lived through a lot with my children and had to learn how to accept and how to hold them accountable. And then always seek relationship over absolutely anything right
0: it's powerful
1: so powerful
0: that's so mm-hmm. good mm-hmm. you write a the shame shake off prayer mm-hmm. and i am wondering if you would be willing to read that to us today i so
1: would yes let me get my book in my hand love reading out of my book <laughs> good. so it is when you have the book Mm -hmm. It is on page 117, and I also have a beautiful audio meditative uh, reading on my podcast and on my website. Wonderful. So what I love to do is have you you put on your headphones, find a quiet place if possible, and just let the words soak over you Mm. rather than read them to yourself. You know, it's good to read them aloud. It's good for your brain. Um, But I, I love giving you that audio so that you can just let these words soak over you. So here we go. There have been shame lies spoken over my heart, mind, and body. Today, I believe the truth about myself. I am lovable. I am worthy of connection. I make mistakes, I am not a mistake. I fail, I am not a failure. Even at my lowest, I have value, worth, and dignity. Even in my tightest spots, I matter. Even when I make a mess of things, I am seen, loved, and accepted by God. Yes, even when I make a mess of things, I am seen, loved, and accepted by God. From this day forward, I will do my best to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God. No hiding behind facades or pretenses or excuses or denial or blame. I release the shame narrative and embrace the healing words of my heavenly father who breathed his breath into me. Yes, he breathed his breath into me. From this moment on, I walk with my head held high. From this moment on, I live forgiven, free, and full of faith. From this moment on, I offer the gift of grace to myself and to others. From this moment on, I speak healing words to myself and others. From this moment on, I live into the meaningful new life God has for me. Amen. The first time I read that, I've, I've
0: worked with... Um foster and adoptive children for years now as a social worker and you know so often people who have experienced trauma will bring on the shame and the responsibility of those things to themselves and when I read this I just thought Mm -hmm. oh if these prayers were spoken in our churches (sighs) and if this truth was established in our children to understand their value that they have and the worth that God sees in them, and that um, you know that they would be laid as a foundation mm-hmm. for who God is and who God created them to be. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just powerful words
1: of healing. Well, that's what that's that's who they're for. Mm-hmm. You know, if you asked me earlier who this is for, and I suppose when I wrote that, it was totally for myself, but no, it really was for the family systems that I work with because I know that you work with adoptive and and foster and I work with family systems. That's my passion. Mm -hmm. And of course it usually starts with the mom or the wife, the mama, the woman. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I'm able to actually work with the grandparents and the sisters and the brothers and the aunts, there's just nothing You know, it has to begin with one person. And I call that person a heart lifter, someone who stands in the center, not only their life, but their sphere of influence and says, no more, no more. Mm -hmm. It's not okay the way we talk to each other. It's not okay the way, you know, so I can see this happening within the churches Oh, yes. It's not okay. Yeah, that we preach this in a shame language. That's yes. just that's my whole entire goal and passion, yes, is to bring that kind of reform.
0: Mm. Yes, absolutely.
1: You talk a lot about how our belief
0: system kind of shapes and organizes our our world. And I think you know understanding who God is and how we are made and the value and worth in which God has breathed into us is is a huge component of that. It is. Um, what other healthy beliefs are foundational when pursuing
1: healing? Mm. Can I share the little story about me on the white line? Absolutely, please. I think I, if I frame it in a story, it'll probably be absolutely a little more helpful. Yeah. So I said, I grew up Catholic. I went to Catholic primary school and on my sixth birthday, uh, I was sent to stand on the white line that went in front of the convent at lunchtime where, because I was talking too much. And so those who know me go, yeah, sure. I can totally see that, (laughs) but I was a vivacious. I know that I was a very uh, good little girl and I couldn't have been doing anything too bad. But I was sh- just talking too much. So they put me in the white line. And the white line is where then the other students would walk by you prior to getting to the playground and, you know, basically see you and shame you. Right. And my older sister, as I said, is was in eighth grade at the time. And she remembers that situation and, and remembers me wailing. Mm. I, mean, I was deeply empathic, deeply intuitive. And so this just had to be, you know. Well, it wasn't until just flat, you know, flash forward decades when I began to hear this shame teaching that I was like, that's where it entered Mm. my being. Right. I learned right then and there, don't be too loud or happy. Don't be too happy. Mm. Don't be too joyful. Don't draw attention to yourself. that's where it started to equate with with being a joyful, happy person, vivacious, that that's not okay, you need to be quiet. And so that followed me, you know, my rest of my life. And I can honestly say say I didn't shake it off until I was working on this book these last about three years.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And the healthy beliefs that had to come in to my life came when I started to sit in Genesis 2, 7 Mm -hmm. and realize that God actually breathed into me Mm -hmm. joy and vivaciousness Mm. and happiness and a presence. He knew my future. He knew what I would be doing in my life. And so it's an exchange, isn't it? A divine exchange of, uh, and I write about it a lot in tool three, as far as rewiring and reframing those negative feedback loops right. that may have started earlier than six for me. And I'm sure your listeners can, uh, I'm hoping that maybe some ahas are happening and you go, Oh yeah. right. You know, Paul calls that a foothold. You know, I call it a fatal foothold. That's where it became a foothold in my life that it, it wasn't okay to be happy, mm. maybe too happy. Right. You know, and so we have to identify where that begins, at least in the work and the methodology that I use. Let's identify that. Let's look far enough into our past to bring it into the present and go, uh-huh, I got it. I know where it started. And I'm going to identify, don't be too happy. And I can't tell you how many times even in my faith journey in church and church leadership where I've actually been told, literally been told, right, to the point when I, you know, fell apart, had to have a journey through brokenness and find my identity again and realize I have a voice. And that's why voice in my work, I equate that voice with value, worth, and dignity. Mm. You know? Talk,
0: yeah. Talk to me a little bit more about that because as I'm reading, uh, as I was reading your book, one of the things that kept coming up to me is what about those that are recovering from spiritual abuse? Yes. From uh, a faith and a belief in God that's actually really faulty, unhealthy, and um, how do they address address those false beliefs in order to then pursue healing and integrate these practices and tools that you talk about? yes,
1: well it it honestly, Kelly, is a crisis of faith, and i mean i can't I can't name it anything else in my own life. It was a crisis of faith,, yeah. and I think that's why. I got to really know the woman at the well in John four in this book. She's the center of this book
0: mm-hmm.
1: and really spent time with her and Jesus on that ordinary well. And I feel like I sat down right there and, and I recorded it so that I could just listen to it and listen to it and listen to it and try to really lexio Divina, put myself into that moment. And I think that the way that I walked away from my whole crisis of faith is that if we have a faulty frame, you know, we're both wearing glasses. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And so, you know, when we go to the optometrist and they give us that eye exam and they tell us we need a different lens. And, you know, it takes about three weeks when you're giving, given a new prescription and it can cause headaches and all kinds of pain and turmoil. So I would say if I am looking through a faulty frame, Mm -hmm. so for me, I grew up in an alcoholic home, as I've said, so I learned and I also learned to be, you know, and repress my true feelings I learned all of these things. I didn't have a relationship with my dad. I mean, he wasn't abusive, but he was absent. Right. And so how does one even begin to understand how to have a relationship with a heavenly father? This is teaching of old. This is not new Mm -hmm. teachings. But what I realized was I had a lot of unresolved trauma. And I write a lot about that in the book. And had to get some help with that so that I could actually integrate, integrate. And once I grabbed on to that Genesis 2, 7 belief, right? That God breathed his life into me. That's where it started for me. And I just had to soak in it, Mm -hmm. soak in it until it took root and then I began, my eyes were opened, and you begin to become aware.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And awareness, as a dear woman who fights on the front lines of the anti-sex trafficking in Thailand, told me is a da- it's a dangerous thing. Awareness is a dangerous thing. Because once you're aware, then you're accountable. There's that word again. Right, right. So once I became aware... Of how I was allowing shame language to continue mm. to oppress my personhood, mm. I couldn't. I couldn't allow it anymore. Yeah, and so my crisis of faith came, and then, how? What do I do with that? Yeah, what do I do with that? Mm-hmm. And. That's why I wrote a whole, gave a whole tool on healthy assertiveness, because I needed to learn how to now use this voice and say, you know, that's not okay. It's not okay what you're saying to me right now. Yes. Yes. Like if I could rewind and reset, which is what I encourage people to do, like I would go back to some of those leaders who should me and it, now I would say oh no no sir no no ma'am because so it was both male and female it sure. wasn't just it wasn't just you know one party one right it was both and so by a learning this is how I selected these nine tools even Kelly because they were all the tools that I needed myself in order to be able to be whole and experience freedom right And when you do that, that's going to make some people angry. Yeah. You may have to leave an unhealthy, faulty system, even if you really, really love the people. Right. It may cost you friendships. Yeah. But at what cost? Yes.
0: Yes. And I think when you become aware And then you become assertive in holding people accountable. That's the key. And I think that's hard. I do think you are going to have this sifting of Mm -hmm. things and and relationships from your life. And I think that's a grieving time. Um, And I love in your book, though, and you say do this with the counselor, go go find help. You do not need to do this in isolation. We're talking about connection and community and relationship and a good therapist will help with this. And that Um, takes
1: trust. You know, you're going to be relearning trust. You're going to be rebuilding, but that, as you, as you pick up that secure attachment tool, you know, and you pick up this tool, then that will all gird you up and guide you forward in little tiny baby steps. Yeah. And God is so faithful. To bring to you people to help along the way, he's so good that way. When he sees your heart yearning Mm -hmm. for real, true connection, oh my goodness! A lot of this, though, does happen in the wilderness, you know, and it does. So. It
0: does. But I have learned that that wilderness is actually quite populated. There's a yes, lot of that wilderness. <laughs> We're so kind of all like, hey, guys, welcome. <laughs> if you don't have a tribe, we don't either. Come on. <laughs> yes, you're so brave. Exactly. But I yes, think, you yes. know, in, in pursuing that journey and in, in pursuing that healing, we are all going to have triggers that yes. that hit us and that take us back to those original moments. Talk to us a little bit about that. What are triggers? And I love how you say we can make them work for us. So talk yeah. to me about both
1: those things. Well, triggers, they are a stimulus. And I do like the definition that I have in the book. It's a stimulus that elicits unhealthy emotional reactions that lead to even more unhealthy outcomes. And so what I love here is that word outcome. Mm -hmm. And a major goal aim of this book is to optimize our outcomes so that we can move through life from a responsive state and not out of a reactive state. Mm. So triggers are those things, a trigger sets off a memory tape or a flashback And they transport us back to an event where maybe an original trauma happened. Not really maybe, but it did. And Mm -hmm. trauma, the way that I define that is any emotions that are just way too big for our body. So at six years old, that shaming was way too big for my body. I Mm -hmm. had no idea what that was. So the stern face of the nun who I absolutely loved. So it was a very big foreshadowing
0: mm.
1: that there would be authoritarian mm. leaders in my life that when I saw that look and felt yeah. that spirit of authoritarianism, not authority, very different. Right. Yeah, because that is an oppressive voice. Yeah that is an oppressive look of, on the face or a tone of voice. Mm-hmm. So any time in my journey when I felt that coming, I felt that literal principality or power of darkness coming at me. Mm, yeah. Immediately shut me down. Mm. I call it the shame shutdown. Yeah. It just shut me down up to summer of 2018. And I write about that experience in the book. Mm-hmm. And so triggers are those little emotions or memories that still have a negative charge connected to them Mm -hmm. and they sit inside of our amygdala. And there's a beautiful picture in the book of our limbic system so that you can refer to that without being too technical, two tiny little almond things inside of our brain that carry so much weight. And our amygdala is where our fight, flight, freeze, fawn come from. And so when we've experienced any little T, middle T, big T trauma, where the emotions are too big for our body or our mind or our brain, and we shut down or we numb out or we whatever, however we react in our defense mechanisms, we then are in a hypervigilant state. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: you know, the minute that trigger comes, you know it, your heart starts to race, your sweaty palms. You know, you get an. I get an immediate headache mm. like, right in my brain. Um, I get a pit in my stomach. Yeah. Um, and so, we have to, in our journey, our transformative journey of healing, we have to go back and figure out what that negative charge still is and why is it still there because it's lodged in our amygdala and it needs to be consolidated. It needs to be made peace with. So we understand it so that it can just hop on over to the hippocampus, which is like a filing cabinet and get filed away. Yeah. Like my white line experience. Mm. Now it's just in a filing cabinet. There's not a trigger there. Mm. Whereas if someone is authoritarian to me now, or gives me that prosody or, or that tone of voice or that look on their face, or, or even you can't see us, you know, but I'm putting my finger to my lips in that. shh. Right. I would say, you know, that's not okay that you do that to me. I have value, worth, and dignity, and you can't talk to me that way. Yeah. And I'm being assertive. I'm not being aggressive. Mm-hmm. I'm in my body. I'm present. It doesn't have any affect on me anymore.
0: Mm. And that's how you make it work for you.
1: And that's I against you. how you make it work for you. Mm-hmm. As you can see, Kelly, though, it is the synergistic work of many of these tools. Right. They all can stand alone. But what our goal is, is that they'll be synergistic. Yeah. That right now, someone may pick up the book and go, I'm in the middle of something where I need to learn about how to be assertive. Yeah. Okay. And then, so they may have to hop back over and read about their secure attachment. Yes. Right. So it's this beautiful journey and that is how we make it work for us. And what that does leads to another tool is gives us emotion regulation. Yeah. Yeah. We are in control now of our life, our emotions. Yeah. our being. Mm-hmm. No one has control over us. We are in control. Mm-hmm. I can think for myself. I can hear for myself and I can talk for myself. Yeah, That's a recent, beautiful discovery in my life.
0: <laughs> and I think, I, I think that's good though, because that you say it's a recent Because it really is a journey. I know when I was reading this, I was actually going through um, a huge trigger from a past Mm -hmm. trauma that was kind of unexpectedly surfaced and immediately – I get sick. So my stomach yeah. is where mine
1: Your gut, your third brain.
0: Exactly. And <laughs> yeah. I love how you point out that our bodies can carry the imprint of our unprocessed and our unconscious emotions. And I'm like, yes, it can. Well, it's <laughs> when you it's proven. Do. It is. Just it, I, proven. It is. And I went back though, and as I'm getting mad at myself of this was X numbers of years ago. You have got to move on. I stopped and I realized I was shaming myself yes. instead of extending grace of like, oh, no, no, no. You have, mm. you're you're responding to this emotion because you were treated as if you did not have value and worth. You're actually reacting to that emotion. Yes. Yes. And so I had to really stop myself talk because I was really God. mad about it. Because I was like, I do not want to be giving energy to this anymore. Um, and I'm still I'm still going through the tools, but I have to give myself grace to go through that process.
1: That's and where that self-compassion comes in. That's exactly. that tool. We pick up that tool of self-compassion. Yeah. After we've learned to shift from that shaming to gracing, we we learn to love ourselves. Oh my goodness, that was such a bad word for so many years in my right? faith walk. Oh, yeah. Self-care. Yeah. Oh, so because you need
0: to be preferring others Ooh, all the Jesus time. Others
1: do all the time.
0: Yep, all, all the time. time, all the time.
1: Yep. Serve and I serve, serve all yeah. the time
0: to where you are then a martyr for the faith.
1: Yes. yes. Oh, yeah. We can go. So you just you you just unleashed a beautiful. What I love unleashing the living water beliefs is what I write about. In that, you didn't shame yourself, mm. right? and you unleashed this living water yeah that Christ told the woman at the well it yours right all the time right it's gushing up from inside of you 24 yeah. hours a day
0: yeah woman and i know i'm going to have to remind myself of that again mm-hmm. and i you know are. that because we are human and because this is a, a a journey that takes a lot of work and some days i'm going to have the the energy to do the work some days I'm going to need to energy to not do the work. <laughs> Sometimes rest. you do have it's to step back. step back.
1: Yeah, you do have to step 100%. back. This work can be a lot. So you have to just uh, go out however you um, collect strength, however you restore your body. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Until it goes into the filing cabinet. That's right. Cuz yes. I want it to get there. <laughs> I do. I want it for you and myself and everyone listening. Exactly. So yes. want nice tidy, pretty little looking whatever kind of file folders you want. Right. Yeah. Pretty and beautiful. Are you type A's or like yes, yes file yes. folders. Yeah. Because we want to move through life uh, with that equanimity, right? That that stability. Being in control of our emotions. Emotions are just energy in motion. That's all they are. Yeah. John Piper called, you know, they're not direct, they're directives. They're not dictates. Mm -hmm. They do not own us. Right. Right. We are in control of them. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, another beautiful vision I have is that we have lots of teaching within the Christian faith about how to be emotionally healthy and well, yes. because I really believe now and in where I've, how I've lived my life in my faith journey. I'm in my seventh decade that if I can frame my faith through the healthy 2020 lens
0: mm-hmm.
1: of authenticity, of true yep. being a true Jesus follower mm-hmm that's a different way to live life. It's a very different way. Jesus offered us a very different way mm-hmm. than what is being offered to us today. So we have to really sit with that. And I encourage your listeners to do that. And that's what I invite them to do in this book Yeah, is to really examine their faith. Mm-hmm. You know, he said, Jesus said to the woman at the well, you know, I'm you're not going to have to worship this at the temple here or the well here, this or that. He goes, I am looking for worshipers who worship me in spirit and truth. Yeah. That's so freeing. It is freeing. So I may externally look as though I, I may not be following all the traditional rules, but my faith has never been deeper. Mm -hmm. My walk has never been closer. Yeah. And so I hope that that encourages many who are listening and gives hope.
0: Absolutely.
1: And I think it will. I think it will.
0: You know, I think you're so right. And the rules that we are are going against, the, and not even going against, the rules we are re-examining yes. were put there by people. They were. And people are people. Yes. And are human and make mistakes and are doing the best they can. I believe a yeah. lot of them were oh, there yes. well-intentioned. Well-meaning. But yeah. it doesn't necessarily mean they are the healthiest. It doesn't necessarily mean that no one else is going to come with spiritual ahas of, of who God is and and offer something to the community that is richer and healthier and promotes connection with our creator. yes. Um, yes.
1: Yes. And so, I think if we all walked around with a frame, you know, our frames, yeah. this is how I'm framing. This. this is what I'm looking through. Right. You know, I'm looking through for me, it was people pleasing. It was getting accolades. I'm a, was a type A for sure. So I'm looking, I just carried all of my emotional baggage right into my faith walk. Yes.
0: And, and now we don't
1: has- acknowledge that. at all. I just walked down the aisles, still comparing myself with other women in the church, still looking for accolades, still looking to be on the stage, to looking to get the applause, all the things that I brought in to my faith walk Mm. as a result of a very unhealthy foundation. You know, I feel like my call, my plea is to call back and help Bring a new lens, a very, very beautiful. I hate to use 2020 perfect vision because of this past year has been crazy. It's been, an, yeah. <laughs> but it's offered me an opportunity to really clarify my vision of how I wanted to live the rest of my life. So it is my hope and my prayer that we bring emotional health and wellness and mental intelligence to everyone that's listening today, so that they can put away their unhealthy behaviors and communication skills and their unhealthy sense of self mm-hmm. and begin to live in that yeah. new creation. Yeah. That that Christ breathed into them to be. I love that. I do.
0: I want to ask you one last question, what you were just talking about walking um, in church and walking down the aisle with your frame of people pleasing and and wanting so much to serve others. Do you feel like you were walking in a dysregulated state?
1: Oh, yes. Now, now I know. Mm -hmm. I just, it was, here's how I would explain that. We develop a personality in our lives. So, little Janelle on the white line, who was free and happy and joyful, but she was shamed. She was shut down. She then, little Janelle, had to figure out how to cope in life so she didn't have to stand on that white line again. Right. Over, excuse me, hell or high water, did I ever want to stand on any white line like that again?
0: Right. And experience- but you didn't play basketball.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> didn't. I did cheer though. And I did stand on the line. It's really funny. I love that. I'm going to expand my teaching. Um, So I didn't, you know, I didn't know we pick up these defense mechanisms that enable us to cope and enable us to get through life. That's that survival mechanism that God gave us. Hallelujah. That he gave that to us. What happened to us? Right. But out of his great love for us. He begins to disarm us.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it's his goodness that leads us to repentance and metanoia and transformation. And that's what he did in my life. He just started to disarm me. And those didn't work for me anymore because he really was wooing me because of his love for me back to my Genesis 2-7 beginning,
0: mm-hmm. my
1: essence, my truest self.
0: Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't- mind
1: regulation. And regulation. And I i just was able, I, I don't need any of those disordered attachments anymore because I'm really securely attached and embodied in my personhood. I know who I am. And I know that I'm loved. I know I'm imperfect. I know I'm going to keep up getting up every morning and, and seeking God and asking for more of his love and grace. Mm. Yeah. I love that. It's freedom it is feels so good and freedom looks good on you like freedom looks so good on you girl that's what i want to name the next book looks good on you girl i like that i, I like that i will pre-order a copy of that yeah. one that I is look in the mirror all the time and I go freedom looks good on you girl i love freedom it looks real good on you it
0: does <laughs> it does oh janelle thank you for being here today and sharing all of this amazing insight, and um, I definitely want to encourage all of our readers. Stronger Every Day is available now, so pick it up, read it. It is wonderful. Um, so thank you so much for being here. You're
1: welcome. Please join my commu- the community. Stronger Every Day.
0: I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Janelle. I encourage you to join her online community at JanelleRairden.com. Do you have questions or comments about today's episode? I'd love to hear from you. Email me at letsgettoitpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. I'll see you next time.